Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting edition of the internationally known Two Bucks Sports Podcast. Coming at you live in living color, actually a night early. Uh, you're hearing this on your regularly scheduled day. Uh, but Uncle Buck, my infamous, not esteemed, maybe infamous colleague, has some plans tomorrow night on Wednesday night that he shared on our Instagram live. Uh, Uncle Buck, welcome to the podcast a day early. Hey, what's up, Rusty? So, uh, yeah. So me and my wife, we're going to do our part, our civic duty as Grizzlies fans tomorrow night. We're going to catch game number five in the FedEx Forum tomorrow night. And so Rusty was gracious enough to move us up a night early and stay up a little late because your boy had to coach a 8U softball game tonight. And uh, they said they wanted to be called the, uh, what they say last week? So we have this tradition to where we all put our hands in and I say, what do y'all want to break it down to? And then they, tonight they said, all right. What do y'all want to break it down to? And they said, donuts. I was like, okay, that's something I can get behind. One, two, three, donuts. And so uh, we got the win tonight. The Lady Donuts got the win uh, to move to 1-0. and My right. own flesh and blood, Chloe, went three for three and got an out at second. And so a nice. hard nip-tuck game came out with a W tonight. And so uh, here we are now, amped up, and I am just chomping at the bit, ready to go. Let's go. Well, if you tuned in on YouTube, we appreciate our YouTube watchers that uh, check us out every week, giving us likes and comments on there. You notice a, a third not-so-good-looking face uh, on your screen tonight. A good buddy of ours. We've talked about him on the podcast. He's in our fantasy football league. We've given him some crap over the last few weeks, so we thought it was only fair for him to come in and defend his mayonnaise-drinking quarterback from the university of kentucky uh ladies and gentlemen welcome in mr aaron ivy to the podcast aaron what's up buddy uh what's going on fellas man i'm telling you this is this is exciting i know y'all give me all kinds of crap but i love you guys and uh, i appreciate it <laughs> i tell you if there's one person that i feel like deserves a shot to come and to uh to talk back at us it's aaron <laughs> because we we you know if it weren't for will levis you know uh we wouldn't have much bad to say about Kentucky or our good friend Aaron. And so yeah. uh, we're going to give him the floor in a minute. We're going to get to the NFL draft in a little bit. And he's going to defend why an organization should spend a first round, top of the first round pick on a quarterback that has his coffee with a spoonful of mayonnaise. And eats a banana with the peel, which is just wild, man. That's just, ugh. Yeah. So anyway. we'll, we'll, we will get to that. But first, I think, yeah. Rusty. Uh, yeah. What you got? What you got for us first? So we always appreciate when our fans interact. You know, we've got Aaron here on the show. We gave him a lot of flack back during fantasy football too for team names and his team decisions. And I believe he <laughs> won a couple of the uh, not so esteemed Drewski awards. But <laughs> you know, giving shoutouts where they're due. But we appreciate our fans interacting with us. We had a few on our Instagram live the other night, and a buddy of mine that was on the golf trip last week, new friend of mine, just met him on the golf trip. His name is Aaron uh, Tim Buren. Aaron lives up in Jamaica Plains. He's got a cool job. He works for Jaff Kings, and his job is to create cool like graphics. He works in design. He helps keep the website up and fresh. New ideas coming forward so that you know dopes like us will go on there, spend money, and bet if we could in our states, right? Right. Um, so big shout I out to Aaron. We can do daily fantasy through DraftKings. True. 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 We can't can't uh, fully or bet either here in South Mississippians Carolina. Mississippians can. I don't know yeah. about South Carolina. Not can in South Carolina. I, I don't even know if we can do daily fantasy, to be honest with you. 
Anyway, so Aaron is uh, an Oakland Athletics fan. He uh, was born in Australia, grew up moving around a little bit, and so he's a big A's fan. He said a cool story. He said that when he was a kid and his parents wanted to take him and his family out for dinner, they'd take 20 bucks and go to an A's game, $5 a piece for dollar hot dog nights, and just have a ball with all other 300 fans in the stadium. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't. That sounds like the best money you could spend. That's what I'm saying. But – as we all have seen, the Oakland Athletics are packing up and getting out of Dodge. They are following a recent trend in professional sports of moving their franchise to Las Vegas, which will give them a hockey team, a football team, and now a baseball team. Uh, we Not know that, to mention, two of the teams that's relocated to Las Vegas came from Oakland. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, looks like a big exodus. Not yeah, everybody, everybody seems to be getting out of California, even the sports franchise. But anyway... Um, it begs the question, guys, Aaron asked me uh, if we would attack this on the podcast. So here we are. When a team relocates, I can relate. I was a Vancouver Grizzlies fan when I was a kid, mostly because of Bryant Reeves. He was this big fella, played in the post from Oklahoma, got drafted early in, in uh, by the Vancouver Grizzlies. I was a big fan, and he was an even bigger flop when he got to the league. Big country. Uh, big big country. That's right. Big country. Uh, Oklahoma born and bred, came to the league, uh, but didn't pan out. Anyway, in in that inspired me to be a Grizz fan. Then they moved to Memphis. They got closer. So for me, you I hit was the jackpot. Yeah. yeah, I got lucky because they moved from way out in Vancouver, and my country butt was never gonna make it to Vancouver for a game. But I'll go to Memphis. That's an hour and a half away. So it begs the question, fellas, and I've got some thoughts. I'm curious on y'all's. What if you lived in Oakland? What if you lived in Seattle? And all of a sudden, your beloved Supersonics back in the day, now your Oakland Athletics, up and moved to a different town. Do you follow them? Do you pick the next closest team? Is this your free reign, that once in a lifetime, hey, I'm going to pivot and no longer be a, an A's fan. I'm finally going to pick a winning team. Again, Aaron lives in Boston. He could be a Red Sox fan. Thoughts? Well, first, for me, I, if I put it in my shoes and the prof- the only professional team, I really, I mean, I'm a Cardinals fan, but the Memphis Grizzlies have my heart and soul when it comes to professional sports. If they were to move, I don't know that I could just, I don't know that I could watch the sport anymore. And is that crazy? Like, because I've got, I feel so invested and I feel and I, like I'm close enough to where I feel like I'm part of the community. And that's the thing with the Grizzlies, as opposed to a lot of other, uh, a lot of other, especially big market teams, is that the Grizzlies are as intertwined into Memphis as any team is with their city and their community. And so I don't know. Uh, part of me says because I also I love I've grown to love the players. So if you're asking me if I could root for John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and De- Desmond Bain and everybody, if they were playing, say, in Las Vegas? Yes, but not as hard as I am now. I mean, there's just something about the tangible, tangibility, tangibleness of it, uh, whatever that word is. Uh, there's something Tan- about that. Right? Yeah, ta- something about that tangerine that I can go and I can be there. And I and all the people that talk about them sound like me. And they we're all Southerners. And it's all like... There's just something about it. Like, it's the same reason I got big into the New York Giants because they drafted Eli. And he was my first favorite player, was Eli Manning. I'm sorry. Well, Eli's not there anymore. And so I 
don't really cheer for the Giants anymore. And so I, I don't know. It's 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 odd. I will say for teams that for fans that do have teams, it is one of the few times, the few scenarios where I would say you have the ability to be a free agent. You can you can pick again because I'm very much uh, my dad raised me to root for certain teams and I can never stop like you're, you're switching teams is not something that you do. And I frown upon it. Bandwagon folks are the worst. I can't stand them. Be with your team when they suck. Be with them when they're great. But in this particular situation, I think you can enter into sort of a fan free agency a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. You know, you know, I, I moved down here nine years ago and, and I watched the Vancouver Grizzlies. I used to I used to love, you know, when they moved to Memphis and had Stromile Swift. Mm, I used to yeah. love Stromile Swift. You know, I don't know what it was about him. But but you can tell when you go to a Grizzlies game, when you put something Grizzlies on, everybody makes you feel a part of the community. Right. You know, that's you know, that's kind of like the Cardinals as well. I'm I'm a huge Cardinals fan. We outnumber and Rusty. There we, we go. Sure do. Yeah. We're gonna pivot. To this is a Cardinals friends. podcast tonight. You're not gonna <laughs> I need stop to pick this better trend. friends. <laughs> I mean, Car- Cardinals Nation is huge. You know, you play the Cardinal way, but and I and I really, you know, that's a hard question because I grew up two hours from St. Louis and we went to a lot of Cardinals baseball and, you know, I'm a Niners fan as well, which is crazy being from Kentucky and rooting all the way across the country. But I don't, I don't know if I could follow the Niners, but I I could follow the Cardinals wherever they went. But, but it also seems like if it's the closeness that you are proximity to the team, that makes it easier for you to, to follow them, to stay with them, you know? Yeah. If you say, for instance, let's put it in this scenario. So the Seattle Supersonics left and went to Oklahoma city. So if those team, those fans from Seattle switch their allegiances to Oklahoma city and because they love Kevin Durant or Westbrook or, you know, whoever now say, cause there's talks of expansion into Vegas and back to Seattle. If they mm-hmm. can ever build an arena in Seattle, they put another team there. You free reign to jump onto the Seattle ponies or whatever they're going to call them. You know. Listen, they've already got one cool uh, nickname in the Kraken for their Kraken. Uh, hockey team. I love all things Seattle Kraken. It's a great, it's a great mascot, logo, color scheme. They had an absolute home run with that. So yeah, I what's imagine. What's your thoughts, buckets? What do you, what do you think? Something cool that. Yeah, so I've been thinking about this a lot since Aaron asked me. That I, I think I agree. I think. So, like, I moved to the East Coast. I'm much closer now to the Charlotte Hornets. I'm much closer now to the Carolina Panthers, Carolina Hurricane, Atlanta Falcons. But I'm not switching my allegiance. I'm I'm still a Grizz fan. I go see them anytime they play in Charlotte. They play usually play in Charlotte in January, early February. And so I think moving is different. I think you can still stay connected. Yeah, that's your – you moved, so you've got to stay. Yeah, I moved. It was my choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I moved to South Carolina, right? <laughs> Memphis, the Grizz didn't leave. Right. And so I, I agree. I think if your team leaves your community, that's your that's your chance. That's your chance at a fan-free agency. I don't think there's a, you know, when I, I grew up, a, I'm, I'm a little different. I grew up a Chicago Bears fan. I still root for the Chicago Bears and the NFC, but my first NFL game was a Tennessee Titans game. And so – Fell in love with the Titans, Aaron McNair, Eddie George, Javon Curse, 
And so I'm a little different there, but I think if your team leaves, I think if, like you said, you're part of that team, that's part of your fibers, like, right, when I wear my grist stuff to a game, when I wear my, you know, Grizzlies hat or my my We Don't Bluff t-shirt, my Memphis vs. Everybody shirt I had on last night, like, I'm part of that. Like, you're, you're in the grindhouse. You're together. But if they up and left, I, I'm like you. I'd root from from afar, but I'm not enough of an NBA fan that I would I would I don't know that I'd follow them as closely. I, I love the Grizz, and I'll I'll keep up with the NBA. I'll watch the playoffs games. I, I love like Jimmy buckets last night. Had him on my computer watching some of that. Just darn. But well, uh, and the thing for I me know, too. I, all of, all in all, I don't know that I would follow him. I think that's your free agency period. You know, and for me, I think what would be hard would be the betrayal by the ownership that comes in when you relocate a franchise. Like if Robert Parra, the owner of the Grizzlies, the majority owner, the decision maker, being a Silicon Valley guy, decided he was going to move the team to Northern California. Well, he's the general manager of the Grizzlies, and so he is responsible for my fanhood, basically. Mm -hmm if you want to go that far up the chain, you know, and so there's a huge sense of betrayal from fans in, you know, the tri-state area. If you leave, you we know? have a great example of this in the NFL. I don't, in our lifetime, right. um, the, uh, Baltimore, uh, Baltimore, they, they lost their franchise. The Browns let, it was the Browns shut down for a little bit. Baltimore lost their franchise, got it back. Like we have this in our lifetime and there was some, there was some upheaval in Cleveland when the Browns shut it down. There was some right. unruliness when, you know, they abandoned the NFL for a little bit. So, I mean, we've seen an example of this, and we've seen it not go well. Right, and and what happened there was, you know, what happens with most of them is that there was ownership problems. You know, maybe it was a new stadium, and so Cleveland just – uh, Cleveland moved, I think, right? Mm -hmm. They were then, weren't they the ones that moved to Baltimore and created. They, they, the they, they were the ones that moved to Baltimore, created mm -hmm. the Ravens, and they moved within the division. Like, well, no, because the they the Baltimore Colts are the ones that left in the middle of the night, moved out in the middle of the night to go to Cleveland. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I I don't I get fuzzy on that, but uh, look at the St. Louis Rams. I yeah. mean. That that is, I mean, being a St. Louis fan, I know that there is, a, it's a sports town and it's primarily a baseball town. Sure. But they are great sports fans in St. Louis that just got upheaved. You know, they they were left free agents basically because Stan Kroenke chased the almighty dollar to Los Angeles. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, and like like you said about betrayal, my a lot of my family was St. Louis Rams fans, and when they left, they were heartbroken. Right. I mean, they like, didn't I don't want to go, go to anything. Yeah. That, that's part of the reason why I said I don't even know if I could watch the sport. I've got, I've got sweat equity. I got tears. I got heartbreak wrapped up in I, the sports that I love, the teams that I love. I love them until they'll kill me. You know. Yeah. And I mean, that would that would come close. Yeah, I'm right mm -hmm. there with you. I was up till 1:30 a.m. Eastern time and had a 7 a.m. patient at a clinic about 40 minutes away. And so, like y'all know me, y'all let me, y'all make fun of me all the time. I'm in bed at 9 9:30, so I I put a lot of equity out last night to watch that overtime loss. And so my teams matter to me. And I, I yeah, that would be as close to a heartbreak as I could come as a sports fan. And I really hate it for the people of Oakland specifically. Mm -hmm. Because it's such, I mean, you watch those Raiders games for years. I'm sure the reason I'm, 
I'm assuming for Aaron, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason why he's a 49ers fan is probably because back in the day, when you were watching nationally televised NFL games, you watched the Niners, the Raiders, the Cowboys, yeah. or the Giants. I mean, that was right. the big four, or the Steelers, the big mm-hmm. five. And that's why there's those fan bases are so nationwide is because they're the only ones televised. Mm-hmm. And right. so uh, for the people of Oakland, I mean, you've got nothing now. And yeah. I know San Francisco is just across the bay, but San Francisco is a whole different level of person. You look at the old Oracle Arena, Roracle, that uh, that Golden State was playing. The place was a riot in there. It was loud. It was fierce to go play in there. And it was the people of Oakland that had filled it up. And they were working class folks who were not financially elite. Anybody could get in. But when they moved to San Francisco across the bay, that demographic changed because to get into a game at the Chase Center is five times the amount of money because you're now entertaining the Silicon Valley elite. And it's just a whole different demographic. And it even bleeds through on the television when you're when it's supposed to get loud. It's not the same as Roar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's like that's what is so special about Memphis is and about small markets in general is that these fan these stands are filled with working class folks you know mm-hmm. the demographic is so much different and that's the reason why in north mississippi i'm you see me this is what i wore to a game tonight uh at the ball field here at the park in ripley and i saw a fella with a grizzly shirt on his son had a grizzly shirt on and i was like go grizz you know and it's like we're it's one and the same you know yeah. we're working class folks that try to go to as many games as we can and cheer for the team you know it's a blue collar city and i'm a blue collar player man it's we we relate we're we're all in this together we don't bluff man it's memphis versus everybody you know you get a part of that even the 300 fans that are attending athletics games now mm-hmm. um you know they're getting outsold by most sec stadiums but those fans it matters obviously to some of them and you know and like drew kind of to your point Aaron, i'll, I'll let you kind of wrap up wrap us up here a little bit like these people are invested in it. It's not their fault. It's the owners. The city doesn't mm-hmm. want to build them a new ballpark. The yeah, owners that's what happened with the Rams. And so they're leaving. They're gone. That's what happened in Seattle was that the key arena was running down and the, the elected officials in Seattle would, would not pass a bill to fund a st- new stadium. So they yeah. left. Bro, and what you what you hate to really see is, man, the A's have a, have a rich history. You know, the – Going back to Mark McGuire and and all the Bass brothers that were there who brought the 80s, you know, the the A's were legit, you know, Mm -hmm. back then. And then, you know, like the movie Moneyball was Billy Bean. Yeah. Yeah. Had the, the, what was it, the 21 game winning streak or whatever it was. You know, you just hate to see that rich history go go aside because of somebody's, you know, ego, basically. Yeah. And I can see it. I mean, I can see. You know, you watch an A's game, and it's it's a baseball problem, really, but more than it is an A's problem when you're talking about the disparity in money that you can spend to buy a team. Right. Because the A's and their ownership, you know, they're just not going to spend any money. And so they've kind of been just a poverty franchise with just little glimpses of success. You know, they made the playoffs a few years back, but – Outside of that, I mean, you just don't have much to cheer about. And when you, when the owners don't spend the money and and 
build a good product, you lose investment. Because what's not talked about is that in communities like Oakland and in Memphis, you know, like I said, they're working class folks going to games. Well, that's discretionary income that is spent, and it means more to us when we spend the money than it does people in New York or San Francisco. Well, and they employ people. They employ your neighbor as an usher, and they employ wow. your your aunt in the concession stand, and that money goes to a local community. You know, they go to United Way. They help better the community. There's so much that the players do for the community. Like it becomes a part of who you are and what you do in the city. I, I mean, I've seen Grizz fan Grizz players out on Beale and Overton Square, and it's just like. Like they're rock stars, you know, they run this city because they're these huge ball playing celebrities on the teams that we love. And it, it, you get that personal connection in a small market, especially because it's us against them, right? We're always like drew to your point. We're always going to be the underdog, the little brother, the, the, Oh, you'll never be a, a San Francisco a New York or a Boston market. But Memphis is a great basketball city. Oakland is a great sports oh, town. Yeah. They're passionate about their teams. They just the city doesn't want to keep them there. Yeah, it really it's really unfortunate. Um, but to circle back to the original question, uh, people from Oakland, you know, I know you probably want to shun the Warriors because they left you. Come on board. Yeah, we're still early enough in the process, and we're not going to win the title this year. So you can't. It's okay to jump on the bandwagon now. You've got you're in free agency. Come That's on it. over. We'll Come welcome on. you with open arms. Come to the fold. Welcome to the nine oh one. They're one of the most exciting teams in the NBA, too. Who? They're yep. awesome. The Grizzlies? Awesome to watch. Yeah, the Grizzlies. Okay, good. I thought, I thought we were uh, talking about the Warriors. I was going to I was gonna shut down uh, <laughs> your guest intro. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so let's, let's transition into last night, if that's what you had next, Rusty. Yeah. So uh, for all of you who have not checked your score, uh, checked your scores app to see and hadn't seen what happened, the Grizzlies lost in overtime last night uh, by five points, right, in overtime? Six points. Uh, six points uh, in overtime to the Lakers. And if there's one thing worse than losing a playoff game, it's losing a playoff game that goes into overtime at 1230 local time. <laughs> so, uh, and so we there's a lot to talk about in this game. And we're going to get in the NFL draft later, so we'll try to not go forever. But, Rusty, what – after the game, what was your first thought on to, as to what the game was? To me, I, I put this on Twitter last night. I think it was kind of a watermark for us. Like, hey, we're not there yet. This is what we need to be. You know, we went out and got Luke Kennard, who was great during the regular season, finished over 48% from three, and is gone non-existent in the playoffs. You know, the Rui Hachimuras are not going to have these continued big games, but like I feel like the Lakers, what pieces they got, they got what they needed to become where they are now. And I was, I was frustrated. I was numb because it was way past my bedtime, but I was frustrated in a sense of, like we had a shot at that, and I know we made a run at OG, but even though I don't think OG would have put us over the edge that we would be up 3-1 on the Lakers right now. I think he helps us, but I don't think he helps us that much. But it was just frustration of like what could have been. And I, like I said, I tweeted out last night as soon as the game was over, I hope the front office watched this game with the summer in mind, recognizing that we need some pieces parts. We need some big help, 
and we are so bad at wing defense. We need some 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 wings who can defend. Well, for me, you know, we lost a six point game, which was brutal to better. Did you see the line closed at four and a half? Yeah. And they we found Austin Reeves with point three to go while mm-hmm. down four. <laughs> like yeah. it was just brutal for betters. Yeah. Um, for me, it's frustrating because I feel like we haven't played well. And let me let me expound on that. So, game three, I'm kind of throwing it away. You know, we got down early, we came back, clawed back, lost by ten. Okay, game four, it felt like we were in it the whole time. Something felt weird about it. Uh, It felt like we were getting good shots all game long to me. Uh, And this played out in the stats. I'll get to in a minute. But ultimately what it came down to to was we went nine for 42 on Mm three-pointers. Greg Popovich, Popovich said a few years back when the NBA started going to lay it up, tray it up kind of offenses where you're either shooting threes or layups. We're not shooting pull-up jumpers mid-range. He said it's kind of frustrating and it's kind of simple at the same time because you can look at a box score and say who won and who lost by looking at who made the most threes. And he's right. And the Grizzlies shot nine for 42 from three. And the Grizzlies are never – Ever, 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 nor any team going to win when you shoot nine for 42 from three. No. And so if you look at shot quality, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, shot quality is a Twitter account that looks at the shots that were taken by the, you know, taken into consideration where the shot was taken from, who's taking the shot, closest defender, and what your odds are that you're going to make that shot. And then it, it extrapolates that throughout the game and outputs a final score according to shot quality the grizzlies win that game based on the just the shots they take when the ball leaves the hand here's the odds that it makes it here's the odds that he misses it and we give him credit for the points if he's supposed to make it you know pretty simple concept the grizzlies win that game and so for me i'm watching it i see it we are in a horrible slump and so we're down 3-1, and I'm not by any means trying to make light of it because there's something really serious I want to get to in just a second, and Rusty knows exactly what I'm going to talk about. But you're down 3-1, but if you can win tomorrow night, you're winning at home, okay? We're the best home team in the league this year. We finished 30, uh, what was it, Rusty? 32-9, and 35-6. All right, 35-6 and six at home. And we're favored by five, six points. You win that game, you're really it's a one game series at that point. You've got to look at it one game at a time and you've got to go win one game in Los Angeles. I mean, you're not gonna win any series. I can't remember a series off the top of my head where the home team won every game and went to seven, home team won. It, there's a back and forth to this. You've got to win mm-hmm. on the road at some point. And it's gonna be an all out effort. You've got to win game six. And then you're coming home again. One game at a time, it's got – I talked about it in the pregame Instagram Live we did. You've got to have a progression to the mean. You know, typically, you know, 
when the Lakers went 35-9 to in the first quarter in game three, there was a regression to the mean for them. They weren't going to be play at that rate the whole game. You are what your numbers say you are at the end of the season. This yeah. Grizzlies team, whereas they are not the greatest on the season three-point shooting team, post-trade line, they've been solid. Yeah. And you've got to get on track. And to get on track, you'd like to think that it will happen at home. I hope the moment is not too big for them. But what concerns me is what what I thought was an absolute feather in the cap to the Grizzlies, the thing that the Grizzlies did better than anybody in the league, and that was building a culture. We have, I believe, are showing signs of a culture problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to I want to get to that in just a minute. Let's okay. let's put a pin in that. Aaron, I want to get your thoughts on that. I've got some pretty strong feelings around that very thing, Drew. But Aaron, I know you watched some of the game last night. Any takeaways from you? Yeah, you know, I, like I was saying a little earlier, I was like, you know, I was a little frustrated how Jaw and you know was was taken to the hole and just you know the normal fouls that they get called. He was not getting a foul at all last night. You know, there was a it was a physical game, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I at the end of the game, I was kind of I was a little frustrated with, with Dylan because, you know, LeBron did not shoot the ball from, well from outside last night. And he he got up into him instead of, you know, laying off a little bit. And LeBron, of course, got that in one or whatever in overtime. Right. But, you know, to me about that. I, I don't. I honestly don't think this is a series if if Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark are in the in the lineup. I, I really no don't. No, no. no. And but watching last night, you know, it was it was a little frustrating, um, not getting the calls when when for sure they should. It was even easily a foul. I agree, you know, especially watching Austin Reeves get superstar calls and Ja right. was not getting any superstar calls. That's right. the most frustrating thing. Austin Reeves, watching him play basketball. If I've talked with anybody about basketball in the last half a decade, you know that I hated James Harden in mm-hmm. Houston. Right. And it, Austin Reeves plays the same way, except he's not as good. Right. It's just uh, hunting and threes get, and yeah. hunting fouls. Right. And Austin Reeves does it on defense, mm-hmm. where anytime he's bumped, man, he's just bailing. And the, mm-hmm. the NBA's got to do something because yeah. you you know they keep they review every groin shot now apparently because uh, they re- they reviewed Jaren's last night which was and I'm cool with it if it's a if it's obviously a point it's a memo that was sent out like mm-hmm. cut out the groin shots okay and right. I'm fine with that you know if that's something that they are going to key in on then that's fine I get it but. If you're going to do that, you've got to be able to, and I don't want to slow the game down by constant reviews. There's got to be some kind of punishment for some of these just bogus flop calls. So especially I, if they get they 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 win the Oscar, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> right. I, I pitched this this week with a buddy. Um, you know, they, you're right. The fines didn't do much because they were still doing. They just pay the fine, and then plus the NBA's mm-hmm. kind of done away with that. But what if we made like it? I know it's subjective, but what if we made it challengeable? And if the team wins the challenge that it was indeed a flop, like when X elbowed Austin Reeves allegedly in the chin and he went flying and got that foul, they review it and he didn't touch his chin. He's laying there holding his chin. What if they upgrade that to a flagrant two on the flopper 
and it's an ejection. I mean, I'm cool with a suspension for flopping. I feel like that's like a breaking. That's that's the nth degree, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it to start with, issue a technical, and then you know, two technicals and you're out, you know. So I I don't know. It there was another call in that. There's another thing that happened in that game with LeBron kind of sliding underneath job mid jump. I hate that rule as well. Uh, the in my opinion, if you have are jumping towards the goal and you slide underneath somebody, yes. that's as dirty of a play as you can Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Right. It's the same thing with impeding a landing zone on like a, an outside three. Exactly. Right. You know, it's the old Zaza Pachulia rule when he rolled uh, Kawhi's ankle in the finals. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, or in the, I guess that's Western Conference Finals Western when he's playing for the Spurs. You know, yeah. you cannot put your foot in their landing zone. And it's kind of the same thing. Jaw's going through yeah. the air, and Jaw's reckless. I mean, let, let's call a spade a spade. Jaw's not innocent. Yeah. Uh, he he does he leaves his feet without intentions a lot, yeah. but it doesn't make it any less dangerous no, to slide and, and up Bre- underneath him like that. And Pete and, and and Brevin were talking about this last night. Do they extend that half circle out another three or four feet to account for the athleticism? Do you make that a a, a, a bigger protected zone because we've got guys like Ja Russell Westbrook was like this that just fly to the rim with such athleticism and recklessness that. It's a danger to them and the person trying to draw the charge. Is that an option? Do we extend the protected zone another two or three feet? I think so, but at some point, if you extend it too far, it's then you you can, as a defender, you can become hunted. You know, mm-hmm. because if you've got enough room to truck them and then <laughs> get a layup, yeah. you know, because the restricted area is so long. Uh, I get it. I I think a what I've seen a lot of, and I kind of agree with, although I kind of need to see some stipulations put on it is just get rid of the charge call altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to play defense that way to where you're just going to go and stand in front of a moving truck <laughs> and, and it's the only, it's the only play in sports in basketball <laughs> where both players will hit the ground every time because they're trying to, to draw a charge play defense contest a shot move your feet it just you're you're running up and it essentially just creating a wall in front of a moving person going full speed at the rim and standing there yeah i, just, I, I don't disagree i don't I, I don't disagree i see that as an option i think that's there's got to be something done um you know got something's got to change well but, and to go to go with the flop there you know they they've constituted now the the one shot free throw for you know taking a foul yeah to right. help to help you know your Offense. your guy get back down the court you know and, and that so, killed the grizzlies it, last year the take foul it was a right. great rule to put in yeah, yeah. we got it's, help with the last night with the clear path but yeah aaron go ahead you're absolutely right but to to that i mean you know if if a guy's dribbling down the court and you see the other guy, you know, how he throws his head up and he's, he's trying to get, you know, the foul on the, the ball handler. Uh, that's a flop. I mean, that, that should be a one shot to me, a right. one shot and, and out. You know? Dude, we shot 27 free throws last night. Cause every time G- D'Angelo Russell took a step, that head snapped back. And I was about to make that time. comment. Yep. Nobody fakes a, a, a foul call 
while dribbling more than D'Angelo Russell. He looks like a boxer just constantly taking a jab to the cheese. He's going to get whiplashed by the end of the first quarter. <laughs> he made me feel bad last night because I put on Twitter that he would us, and I still believe it. He just happened to make a couple shots. He was trash. I was yeah. mad when he fell, fouled out. Yeah, he won absolute trash. Who who he is a good he is a fine shooter and made big shots, so credit to him. But as a whole, in a forty eight minute game, I was mad when he fouled out. He was trash. <laughs> well, he won the game for him last night. You know, when he hit those I mean, threes, he hit the shots, but they exactly. sagged off because but, I mean it was a driving kick. It was the shots that Rui Hachimura hit in the first two, three games. Mm. Right. Right. But last but, night, D'Lo, D'Lo hitting those shots, man, that, that, broke, that broke them. Cause, it was big. You know, like you said about the three-pointing, you know, everybody's shooting the three-pointers last night. It was it was bad for both teams. Yeah. yeah. yeah so uh, well, kind of circling back to our, our original, Drew, you kind of brought this up a little bit. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to address this because I've been salty about this all day. I brought this to your attention this morning, Drew. I was upset about this last night. Um all year long, we've heard from Ja, we ain't ducking no smoke. We're running up the chimney, was his quote. We're fine in the West. We're fine in the West. Dylan Brooks, just not even a week ago, said, I poke bears, and I don't give respect unless you put 40 on me. Since that moment, and I don't know if y'all saw this, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the link, and I'm going to put it on our Two Bucks Twitter account, of when LeBron dressed down Dylan before the game and told him, hit shots, you don't know nothing, you ain't done nothing, do your job. After he said, I poke bears, Dylan, as everybody knows, has gone non-existent. And what bugs me the most about it, and this is the culture issue, Drew, last night, Taylor Jenkins, Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman went to the podium and did their media requirement. They sat out there, they fielded mm-hmm. the tough questions, and kudos to Trevor Jenkins. He went asked about that early challenge on that Xavier Tillman out of bounds when we had multiple right. ones we could have challenged late in the mm-hmm. in the third and fourth quarter, multiple ones. He owned up and said, "Listen, that was a that was that was my bad. I messed up. I used that challenge too early." So he stood there and he took his lumps and he owned up to it. But you know the two players who did not last night? Mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks and John ja Morant, they ducked that smoke. They mm-hmm. they've been our mouthpieces all year. They've been the loudest. And when it when they fell apart and they got beat, they took the coward's way out, in my opinion. And I was I was furious when I saw that. Like what like if you Drew, you said it on this podcast, and so I want to get Aaron's take, and then Drew, you can take over. But like if you're gonna be loud, or you're gonna talk that smoke, you gotta take your medicine when it doesn't go well. And, and talking about the culture, man, the biggest thing for me about the Grizzlies and, and you talking about the summer is they need a a veteran leader. They don't have the Zach Randolph and Tony Allens anymore and Mike Conley's. They need Jay somebody Crowder. to come in. Yeah, they need somebody to come in there, set them straight because they have the talent to win, to win it all. But they don't have that leadership to 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 put them put them over the edge, in my opinion. No, I, I agree. I think you are 100% correct. As a rookie in the league, Ja had Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder, and they were instrumental to that team being better than they should have been that first year. I, I mean, I've said on this podcast, I come by it honestly. It's not something that I'm saying for the first time today. Y'all can go back and listen to it. I love somebody who chirps. 
I love an I love an athlete that's yeah. emotional and that talks crap and goes out there and backs it up. I have no time and I have no sympathy and I have no respect for somebody who chirps, gets beat, and does not take their medicine at the end. Right. I think Ja. Th- this is. It's been a while since the I'm fine in the West. It's still applicable. It's still relevant. Uh, ja, as your superstar, should field questions every single game. He's your yep. superstar. He's your franchise player. Um, he is responsible with how this team looks going forward. As far as the Grizzlies will ever go, and as bad as the Grizzlies will ever be, is totally hinging upon John Morant. And so he is the one that he's got to be there. Dylan does not have to be at the podium. Dylan does not have to ever be heard from, except for when Dylan Brooks decides to chirp. Mm-hmm. And Dylan Brooks decided that he would go poke the bear. And the bear is arguably the best player that's ever played the game. Uh, undoubtedly, one of the two best that's ever played the, played the game of basketball. And for him to do that, and I talked about it yesterday on the Instagram Live. For him to do that, then get ejected from game three for a growing punch, and then walk off without saying anything to the media. But And he knows he's the story. He's yeah. not saying no to the media because he doesn't think he's going to get any questions. He's saying no to the media because he knows he's getting every question. Mm-hmm. Right. And the questions are not going to be flattering. Nope. He, that's the equivalent of guaranteeing a win and then throwing up a goose egg i mean that's what he did he knows he's the target of the media and he bailed and then to double down on it the next day and say that he has been made a villain by the media is something i only hear from politicians yeah i mean it is the most disgusting lack of self-awareness thing i've ever heard of in my life yeah and then to go out last night and he was fine last night uh, to start the game, first three possessions, he had two assists and then no shot. Uh, first two possessions, he had he touched the ball twice, had two assists, and didn't shoot the ball. On the third possession, he got a layup and made it. So I was like, all right, here we go. To end the game, they quit throwing him the ball. I mean, yeah. straight up second half. They would look at him and then look somewhere else. They, yeah. they quit throwing him the ball. Uh, and then to lose, and the nail in the coffin – was when he was guarding the bear, LeBron, the guy that he likes to poke and called old, he's 40. He went at Dylan's chest, fouled him, and gave up a layup. And that was the nail in the coffin. And then he ducked it again. And then Jaw ducked it as well. They teammates hand in hand. And for that's the reason why I I start to wonder about the culture a little bit because we've always talked about Grizz culture. Grizz culture is next man up. No one's bigger than the team. We pass the ball. We share the ball. We, we, you know, we play, we even play less minutes than everybody else because everybody's involved. We're eight, nine, 10 players deep, you know? So, but what the culture in the playoffs has been a lot of talk and no accountability. That's, that does not sit well with me. I've, I've said on, I've, I just spent the first, you know, 20 minutes on this podcast talking about how I I live and die with this team. Like, I'm invested as anybody can be financially, emotionally. I mean, uh, I've got my kids in here watching Grizzlies games, staying up past their bedtime. Nobody's more invested than me. And for 
for them to go up and, and really just take the cowards way out. I mean, that sounds rough, but that's what that was. A hundred percent. That is what that was. And Taylor Jenkins said, I mean, credit Taylor Jenkins. He owned up to his mistakes, but before that game, he said they were immature basketball team. Mm-hmm. He sees it. The problem is, and Aaron's right, and it's just, we talked about this at the trade deadline on this podcast. I want a vet. Yeah. Now Kennard's a vet, but he's not a vocal vet. He's mm-hmm. not a. He's he's not a, a a glue guy for a locker room. He's not. The, We're missing the Vince yeah. Carter that we had, the Tayshawn Prince, the Jay Crowder, like you said, right. Drew Solomon. Those guys were the ones that could look John in the face and say, "You need to stay your butt in the hotel room tonight." To look Dylan and, in the face and say, "Stay off the microphone and Twitter, whatever." Like that's the kind of dudes we need. And I don't want to make mountains out of molehills here, uh, because I still think we win Game Six tomorrow or Game Five tomorrow night. We go to L.A. trying to save the season. Uh, but it's, it, what concerns me is I know what Steven Adams is. I know Steven Adams is vocal. Steven right. Adams, I don't know if y'all read this or not, but Jaron Jackson Jr. got elected to be a VP of the NBA Players Association at the All-Star break. And the guy that nominated him in the room was Steven Adams, who had no business being in Salt Lake City, Utah that week, except for that he flew up, went to that meeting just to nominate Jaron Jackson Jr., he is a leader in that locker room, and he's a vocal leader, and he's a henchman, and he will back you up. He will fight for you. And he had a players-only meeting in Denver or before the Denver game in which after the game, John went out live. to the Instagram Live and brandished a gun. And before right. that, Stephen Adams was the one that held the players-only meeting saying, we need to straighten up on the road, and John ignored it. Yeah. So that's what I worry about is mm-hmm. that somebody has to keep them accountable yeah, and right. it's not being happened by the front office. No. I was listening to Verno today um, and I'd forgotten about this, but it's relevant last year. You remember how the playoffs ended in game three. I think that's right. Yeah. Game three, Dylan gets ejected for decapitating jo- uh, Gary Payton Jr. Gary Payton, Payton Jr. Jr. Breaking yeah. his arm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And gets suspended for game no, it was game yeah. four. And he got suspended for game five. Right. right. And then, uh, no, actually, I think it was game three. He hit him suspended for game four. And then game five, he plumb shot right. us out of the game. That's right. And then we lose in six and he bails on his uh, exit interviews in the media day, the postseason media day, just bailed. And the front office said, came out with a statement that said he forgot. He forget. Like you, this that statement is enabling. I don't care how you want to frame it. Yeah. But if you're gonna, that guy is at best the fourth best player on our team, and if you're gonna enable that behavior from your fourth best player, there's no reason for me to think that you're gonna call your superstar on the map no. and tell him to grow up. No, I agree. I agree. And, you know, we, we've harped on it long enough. Um, there's a culture issue. There's a lot of things that need to happen. I, I told somebody I'm optimistic about tomorrow night. I think we can win, and I think if we force game seven, we win this series because we don't lose in the grindhouse, but we just got to get there. But And not to mention, real quick, this the schedule works out well for us because we got two days off after game one. We got two, game, two days off after game three. Mm-hmm. The rest of the way, it's every other day. And We're the younger team. We are the younger team. Yep. Right. And so uh, – 
LeBron hasn't shown signs of age yet because he has changed his game to be more of a facilitator, and he's been absolutely amazing. He was so incredible good. last mm-hmm. night. 22 and, and 20 last night. What a, what right. a line for a 38-year-old. But at 38, I want him to play every other game and see how long he can hang. Yeah. Conditioning-wise. Right. Aaron, your 38-year-old knees holding up every other night playing high-level basketball? Uh, no, I haven't touched a basketball, but I tell you, I've coached 11U baseball, and it gets pretty rough catching some of these uh, pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how's your knees for adult softball at 38 years old? Uh, I don't play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, 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 work well, they work well on the golf course, though. There it there is. There you go. There you yeah. go. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, enough about the doom and gloom of the Grizz. Grizz wins. Hey, it's tomorrow not night. all doom and gloom. We're gonna there, win a game. I'm I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna will them. I'm gonna will them. We yeah, we need five. Yeah, yeah, game five. Uh, I will will this team to victory tomorrow night. And hey, and I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. The last thing I'll say. Uh, the Grizzlies in the last two playoff series that they've been in, they've been down. And when they come back home, they have blown the teams out. You remember mm-hmm. last year, Golden mm-hmm. State in game. Beat the I guess it was game, off them. yeah, game three. five or game four, three was it three? Yeah, uh, we blew the doors off of them. Yeah, and then in Minnesota came back, we blew the door. We we're due for a blowout, and yeah. it's got to happen because it, it, we're not going to keep shooting sub forty percent. Progression to the right. mean. Progression. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna be all right, but uh, transition. We've had some we've had some highs about the Grizz, had some lows, but. On Thursday night of this week, there are going to be some guys' lives that change for the positive in ways that the three of us on this podcast will never be able to comprehend. They're going to they're going to shoot to a tax bracket none of us could ever possibly understand. Um, with some of these paychecks they're going to be getting, and of course, I'm talking about the 2023 NFL Draft being hosted Thursday night. Over the course of a few days, we'll have college football's top prospects being drafted. And one of the reasons we have Aaron on the podcast tonight is my TV keeps trying to tell me that Will Levis is going to be a top five pick, a top three pick. Top ten. I've seen today. If he makes it to ten, I'm going to be stunned. There there was a rumor today, and I about lost my marbles, that the Tennessee Titans are looking to trade up to the third overall pick with the Arizona Cardinals to draft yet another project quarterback, and we already have Malik Willis. But – Aaron, we brought you on here. We'll lead off with this, and then we'll do a little draft talk about some of our favorite teams, some of the the hot trend lines. But, Aaron, tell me why I should believe my phone and TV when it tells me Will Levis is a top-ten quarterback. I watched him play. Mississippi State plays him every year. And I watched this man play for the last couple of seasons. I didn't see a top-ten NFL quarterback. You, you know, he's 6'4", like 230. Right. He's, he's what the NFL is looking for in a quarterback because he's, he's a physical runner as well. He's got the arm strength. We all know he's probably got the strongest arm in the draft. Now, with that, he's he's a gunslinger. But his decision making is going to have to improve if if I think he's going to be a top top five pick. Um, but I think he's a leader and I think and he's very smart. You know, coming out of high school, I think he had a 4.0 and actually got a lot of offers from the Ivy League schools. But my so man uses mayonnaise in his coffee. He can't be that bright. Oh, let him finish. We're getting to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's 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 the downfall on him and eating bananas with a peel on it. But I tell you, he's a smart kid, and he comes from a pro-style offense. I mean, Kentucky Kentucky has, very, has changed their offense a lot to try to help players get to the NFL. And – um 
I, I think, you know, with a little more protection, I think he I think he could do well in the NFL. Hmm. So um the thing with Will Evans to me is it's kind of a scouting thing when it comes to front offices. Because and it's the same way in every major sport. To get past the first round of like column interviews to for to get them to consider you, you've got to fit the build. And he's got the build. He's got the mold. He's got what you want your quarterback to look like. And to me, that ends in only one of two ways. If you're building based on how strong your army is versus how well you read defenses or how big you are versus how tough you are. It only ends in one of two ways. You either end up with Josh Allen or you end up with Paxton Lynch. <laughs> That's my problem with Will yeah. Evans. That's yeah. true. It, and, and, but it's also the problem with that, that I have with any quarterback not named Bryce Young in this draft, to be honest. You know, that is the only thing that's got um, Richardson. Oh, it, I Lord. mean, he is only, you know, and he's he's more athletic. And so it depends on how you want your quarterback to look. You know, he fits the build for a ath- more athletic quarterback. So to me, like Rusty said, well, we played Kentucky this year uh, against Kentucky. I mean, against Ole Miss, I watched Levis. He went eight for 24, 220 yards, two touchdowns, but he had two fumbles in the red zone, right. one of which was with a minute and a half to go in the game down three. So your right. quarterback doesn't know the situation to where all you got to do is take a knee and tie the game, but instead he fights for that extra bit and gets sacked and stripped and Ole Miss wins the game, and that was not a good Ole Miss team. Right. Uh, secondly, you just look through his because I don't care about non-conference stuff. You played Miami, Ohio, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois, and Louisville. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this quarterback also went 11 for 23, 109 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick against Vanderbilt in a loss. And and bad games are bad games. I, everybody has them, you know. But we're talking like a top 10 pick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. You watch the on field production. You know, Anthony Richardson might be the only one that's worse than him, in my opinion, in some of the on field stuff we've seen. They look great in shorts. They look great in, you know, sure, Anthony Richardson hit the ceiling. Big deal. Will Levis was kneeling and threw it 50 yards, hit the crossbar. That's cool. Don't do that but, in the NFL. They will call you down. They will, yeah. <laughs> if, but, if you're not touched. Yeah, that was the but, Jamarcus Russell thing, you know, from the right. from his knees, he could throw it 70 yards. Right. Yeah. But right. that's my point. Like this stuff looks great. But when the pads are on and the closest thing you see in college football to the NFL is the SEC, particularly SEC West, but the SEC in general, the results are vastly different because that's when he has to use what's between his ears. He may be right. the smartest dude in the draft. He may do awesome on the Wonderlick and and pass the personality test and do all these great things in the testing. But when the pads are on, the lights are bright, he has struggled to make big plays. And he's going to be facing that same level of talent and then some week in and week out. The the problem I also have with it, uh, Aaron, I'll punt back to you, no pun intended, but is because if Will Levis your quarterback, we do a lot of that. But anyway, 
like the team that's linked to him a lot in rumors is the Indianapolis Colts, whose quarterback is Matt Ryan, who is not an NFL caliber quarterback it won't, anymore. It won't be Matt Ryan. And so right. he's going to go to a situation where he's going to be forced to play this year, and he is not a this year quarterback. He needs to sit behind somebody, and that's why he's been linked to the Titans to be able to back up Ryan Tannehill. But thoughts on that, Aaron? Do you, like going to a team where he's got to be the man versus where he's got some time to grow. So my thing about going to the Colts, who are the last who are the last two quarterbacks the Colts took in early rounds? Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Right. So they've had pretty good luck. Pun intended. Yeah, but that's about, apples and oranges when it comes to like coaching staffs, you know. Right. And I and yeah, I those I two guys had very successful college careers. And I 100% agree with those. But you know, like Pey- what what did Peyton say about him? It's it's like he was built to be a quarterback, to to be a successful quarterback. I, you know, I, I I'm looking at more of what the upside is because you think about it. You know, he he actually came out in 2018 with with some other guys, but he redshirted 2018. He didn't play or started two games in 2019, you know, at Penn yeah, he, State. He and couldn't then, beat out Sean Clifford. Clifford, you know? right. Yeah. And so, you know, you look at all that, and then you look at, you know, the biggest knock on him at Kentucky was, well, he didn't have the talent around him. Well, you had Wondell Robinson, which that Barry was his best. Barry Brown year. was really good last year. Mm-hmm. And and Dane Key as well. Um but, I mean, he had his best year at Kentucky was Wondell Robinson. But right. the problem is in the NFL is you got to spread the ball around a little bit more. You yeah, know? you and, can't just key in on one guy because they're going to they'll, – they'll, they'll cook you in the NFL. And Wondell Robinson was really good, but he was that Dexter McCluster – forgive me for the Ole Miss reference because that's what I know best. But he was your shifty yeah. slot. You could pitch it. Right. You could get him quick and get him in motion. You, you can get him right. with – with room to run, you know? gimmicky almost. Not like not, not right. but just a little gadget. Gimmicky. I think gadget yeah, is the, is the word, word that gimmicky they is like. more negative gadget type player. And and do I and do I think you know how you said either you know um, Josh Allen or Paxton Lynch? Do I think he has the intangibles to be Josh Allen? Because just if you think about sure. it, Josh Josh Allen is he's not top tier yet. Like he's, I, di- he's, I, I disagree on that. Well, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying like Patrick Mahomes type because you look at big time games. Patrick Mahomes, you got a great. I mean, in your mm. mind, you're like, all right, we're in this game. Right now, yeah. now, do I think Josh Allen will be there in the next year or two? Absolutely. The kid, the kids, he's he's so close, he's, but he's he not is, there. But he's just not there yet. I'm with you. And do I think I think Will Levis could maybe. Not not get to Josh Allen's status, but I think he could work toward it. I, I don't know, you know. I, the thing I look at is the upside of it. You know, he's got a great upside, but you know, if they take him, he could be a Ryan Leaf. You never know. Well, I think it's so going to be the thing, right system. I think like we're talking about, like he doesn't right. need to go to Atlanta. He doesn't need to go to Indy. He needs to go to a place. You said like Buffalo, like right. Tennessee, like somebody yeah. that has an established starting quarterback where he can learn and he can grow and he can cut his teeth on the bench, develop his skills, get with the right coaching staff, training staff, 
and we'll see what happens. I'm not disagreeing. The intangibles are absolutely there. He has shown flickers of greatness. Uh, he is Brett Favre-esque in a sense that he right. trusts his arm a little bit too much in some situations. You can coach that out of him. You know, it, it made Brett Favre a ton of money uh, in a long NFL career being a gunslinger. It could happen. I mean, it's definitely the precedent is there. I just I, – I, I see the film, and I don't think it's there yet. And, uh, and that's not why he will be drafted is based on his college film. That's kind of the point that I yeah. was making is like – Right. So it's all in what the – so in in – we've talked about Indianapolis. So they have a brand-new GM and a brand-new head coach. They've got some time. So right. – if they go and say, all right, we're going to give somebody who who's going to be the best quarterback in four years. Mm, if you right. tell me, if you come to me and you're convinced that it's Will Levis, then take Will Levis. Uh, because an argument can be made, and I would listen to it. If I had the number one pick, I'm taking Bryce Young. I said that yeah. at the end of the, fo- of the college football season. I'm saying it now. I think he's the best quarterback size. If you want to, I'm not going to dra- draft a quarterback based on size alone, but Given his size and his ability and his brain, I'm taking him number one. He's it's, a, to me. He he's, a, more he's as close. Than, there is no bust potential outside right. of toughness. It's toughness in in right. uh, big time games. Man, he makes big time plays. Yeah, more so, so than C.J. Stroud. He's been in more game big yeah. games than Levis and Richardson combined. So, so you look at conversely, you know, teams like uh, it sounds like Carolina's taking Bryce Young. So you look at right. at um. The Colts are, are outside of the Colts. You look at the Cardinals, Houston's Bears, you know, uh, the Texans. You know, who wants somebody to win now versus who wants somebody to build? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to argue with anybody that says that is convinced that Will Levis will develop into something. Like We trust our development team, and we're going to develop him the best way we know how and hand him the keys. Okay, that's fine. I, I think he is a terrible person because he puts mayonnaise in his coffee, and I, I couldn't trust that I can develop somebody. That's like me taking in a stray dog, and the first day he comes and chews my chew, you know, chews my flat-screen TV in half, and I'm like, I can fix him. Like I just don't think Will Levis as a person is fixable. <laughs> there's no coming back from like like i understand if you accidentally grab the wrong jar but there's no coming back from purposely putting mayonnaise in your coffee yeah, i'm not handing like, the keys in my franchise how do to you that stumble guy. upon that discovery it's like the first person that discovered milk I always liked that joke you know like what were you doing to that cow to decide that that to find out that, that milk tasted good you know uh like how do you stumble upon putting mayonnaise in coffee yeah. it was it passed down to you from your family because they need to be extradited because I have you more know, questions about that. Gitmo. Well, it's a reopen <laughs> Gitmo, you know? <laughs> well, you know, we, we all make mistakes in life. And uh, I, I believe he that was a public them. <laughs> that was a, that's a public one he should have kept quiet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're saying the, the PR team is that what he needs. told people about. Yeah, he needs, he a, needs PR to hire a PR team like yesterday. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and so he'll the get problem, that in the NFL. So, so that's, that just goes to show you the extents in which people will defend their favorite players. I'm telling you. The problem is that he puts mayonnaise in coffee. You're saying the problem is he told people. <laughs> oh yeah, facts, facts. Because yeah. <laughs> the banana, the banana peel is fine. You know, there's people that eat bananas with peels all the time. Yep. No, but they're, the no, they're, they're called they're mammals that do it, but not people. 
the, man, the mayonnaise is unacceptable. <laughs> Absolutely. Unacceptable. unacceptable. All right. So we've talked some quarterbacks here, Aaron, thank you for your insight. Um, you know, I, I think we're, I, I think we're all on the same page, kind of a bygone conclusion that first overall pick is going to be uh, Mr. Bryce Young from the university of Alabama uh, going to Carolina, which that's tough, man. That's a tough situation. Carolina's had a rough go at it with quarterbacks. Our boy um, Parks Frazier is the quarterbacks coach at Carolina now. Yep. Uh, he followed Frank Reich, brought him in That's to right. Carolina. That's right. So he um, will get firsthand experience. I mean, he will be the guy to develop the quarterback he, they take. He's got a dude, man. If he gets Bryce Young, he's got uh, a, a pretty good situation. Uh, Mel Kuyper at number two. We'll kind of roll through the top ten and any comments I want to make on that. Uh, quickly, we got Houston Texans at number two. They need a quarterback, and uh, rumors are um, looking like D'Amico Ryan is going to select C.J. Stroud as his quarterback of the future. From- you know, actually, I have seen reports, stories, you know, tweets that's, that have came out and said they really love that Tyree um, in the defensive tackle. So he's a and linebacker from Texas Tech. Yeah, the the quote that I saw, I was like, now, that's a strategy I like. They said, I'm not going to take a number, a, a quarterback that I don't love at number two because he's there, and I'm scared mm-hmm. I'm going to. Like, I love that strategy. Like, I know yeah. quarterbacks, but again, new coach, yeah, new GM, play the long game, get the best player. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are picking Tyree Wilson ahead of – Will Anderson, because Will Anderson is kind of a smaller, he's more of a true outside linebacker where Tyree can play in that three, four set because he's a big linebacker. Uh, I was going to ask y'all who y'all sleepers were in the draft. Tyree Wilson was going to be mine. The guy is a gamer. He's a, he's got a high motor. Um, and what I've seen, I, I've seen that rumor, but I still a new coach needs a new quarterback, a new opportunity to start over by and large CBS ESPN has the Texans taken CJ Stroud. Tyree's probably getting some traction, but if not, he goes in the third pick. Arizona Cardinals coming up next, one of the worst teams in the NFL. They have their quarterback that they're still trying out in Kyler Murray, one of the worst rosters around him. But again, take the best player. CBS ESPN has Tyree Wilson going third overall. Um, According to CBS. I feel uh, sorry for whoever goes to Arizona. What a dumpster fire, man. For sure. I mean, it's just, I, I love the term poverty franchise, but like, they can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. They they paid a their franchise quarterback a ton of money and had to put in the contract that you had to watch film. Yeah. Like it, it's just reeks of ineptitude. And, and all he wants to do is play Yeah. All Kyler Murray wants to do is play Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah. and so, you know, if they I mean, shoot, if they want to take a stab at something, go take CJ Stroud and maybe he's a better version of Kyler Murray, you know. Yeah, if he's there, if he's there at number three, give you a yeah, put some put some heat to Kyler Murray. Hey, here's your here's our future if you don't act right. You know, talking about the film clause that we spoke of him earlier, Jamarcus Russell. There's that famous story about him with the Raiders where they sent mm-hmm. home blank tapes of game film and asked him to come back and talk about it. And when they asked him about it, he was like, Yeah, I watched him and saw this, this, and this. And they said, those were blank tapes, buddy. And uh, called him in a lie that he wasn't watching film at home like he was supposed to be. You know, if it weren't for him being such a doofus, mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin may never be at Ole Miss because that was Lane Kiffin's team. Yep, <laughs> it was. 
Um, moving on, number four pick is the Indianapolis Colts. We talked about it. ESPN, uh, Mel Kuyper has Will Levis going there. CBS has Anthony Richardson going there. Either way, it looks like they're taking a quarterback. Well, based and, on and, what I've kind of seen of just floating around, it seems, and based on the panic attack that our good buddy Patrick Jones has been having, it seems like they're not going to let Will Levis go past them. Mm-hmm. Now, that could be smoke and mirrors. You know how how reports get draft week. Yeah. But I'm I'm watching that. Well, and, and Anthony Richardson, I don't understand. You know, I, I guess he's in the same boat as Will Levis, but I don't understand why they see so highly in Anthony Richardson when he missed more wide receivers this year than, you know. I think Richardson. I had seen. Even more than Levis, Richardson's getting hype based on his combine, combine his his Pro build. Uh, he this his last year in college, he had was starting a brand new system. He went from from Dan Mullen, who is you know quarterback whisper when Dan Mullen's good. Anyways, mm-hmm. he's Mister Quarterback Whisper. I turned Dak Prescott from a two star wide receiver to All SEC quarterback. That guy. Uh, then they went to, uh, a, not division two, but a group of five head coach that took over a good coach by all means, but first year in system. And so I think everybody's just even more than Levis. They're writing off his stats as a junior at Florida. Yeah. And it, it reeks of Mitch Trubisky, a very small sample size. We're hyping him up because he's a quarterback in this draft. And I just don't know that he's got the, the, the wherewithal to be that that dude i'm so scared to call anybody mitch trubisky i mean that's the that's the uh that is the michael jordan of of draft day flops yeah next up um seattle seahawks selecting a defensive player either jalen carter or will anderson i think both of those guys are can't miss players jalen carter obviously those guys fall to six i mean you're getting a steal yeah, absolutely. Uh, five or six. And I think you take one. Jalen Carter's got some, um, obviously, some legal issues he's staring at with the uh, the unfortunate crash that killed the Georgia football trainer and injured a couple of the football players. Um, killed a football player. Killed a football player and a trainer. And uh, there's some legal stuff going on there. But the on-field production, when he was healthy, man, he was a force and yeah, will Mel be Kiefer, that for you. Mel Kiefer has, in his rankings, not his mock draft, but his rankings, as Jalen Carter is the best player in this draft. Yeah, and it's not close. You know, when he 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 does have a tendency to take some plays off, but when he doesn't, like I watched him against Mississippi State this year, and we couldn't block him with four dudes. Man, there was nothing we could do when he was on. And uh, the guy is an absolute game changer when he's on. Yeah, absolutely. And same with Will Anderson. Will Anderson is a force, high motor, doesn't quit kind of guy. Like he's the one you you always had to know where 31 was when you played Alabama because he would absolutely get after your quarterback um, and could be a game changer in the in the NFL. He's got the skill set that translates like a Von Miller, like an Elvis Doomerville that can absolutely just bum rush a quarterback and make make differences. Elvis Doomerville, you say. Pulling that one out. I'm telling you, he pulled that one out. (laughs) Uh, Talking about Will Levis, though, or um, Will Will Anderson Anderson. there in uh, Houston, I heard the Texans might lean towards him and then try to take a quarterback if he falls into 12 there. 
that was kind of part B to that story I read that they weren't going to reach for a quarterback they weren't convinced in. Mm-hmm. And Will Anderson in an interview said, "Yeah, I love the role they have for me. Like they, yeah. they Well, and what better, what better coach to go to that D'Amico Ryan's who played at Alabama? Oh man, all American at Alabama. Not, not to mention being the, a great defensive coordinator in San Francisco. I mean, mm. that fits the mold perfectly for them. You know, he has to lean that, that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got to as a defensive player to have a guy like D'Amico Ryan yeah. sitting in the room right. from you. Yeah. You know that's that carries that's got to carry a lot of weight. And if they weren't such a poverty franchise, that that hiring would make me nervous because D'Amico is a phenomenal coach, players coach, and is going to do a good right. job there. Listen, unless I don't know anything about their ownership situation, so maybe it's the owner's prop fault. You know, I've got to, I've I put a lot of. I, I'd buy some stock in the Texans based on D'Amico Rhines. Yeah, I, uh, I, I really do. Coach. I met him at a football camp at Northeast Community College. Super guy, just really a, a just a really genuinely nice, humble guy, and, and a great coach. And if he won in the division, I'd wish him super well. But anyway, <laughs> um, kind of consensus number seven: Las Vegas Raiders taking a cornerback out of Illinois. Shout out Lauren uh, Massey, uh, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Uh, Followed up at number eight by the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Mel Kuyper has them taking Nolan Smith, which I think will be a great oh. pick. He uh, has missed quite a bit of time. He tore that peck this past year, but when he was on the field, number 13 was a mean dude for that Georgia defense. He's a leader. He's a ball hawk. He's always seemed to be around the ball making plays. Linebacker for uh, by Mel Kuyper. CBS has them taking uh, Christian Gonzalez, a quarterback out of Oregon. Both defensive issues because, look, the Falcons' defense was bad. They think they still have a quarterback in Desmond Ritter, going to give him a little bit of a shot to try it out. But that defense was atrocious. I've seen uh, Atlanta floated for Bijan Robinson as well, the running back that's out a, of Texas. That's a relatively I, new, and he's really starting to shoot up some draft boards. He's incredible. So good. Uh, the problem is where you draft running backs these days. They're not top uh, ten. The best rookie running back, and we need to talk about Aaron Rodgers a little bit, but the rest, uh, the best rookie running back last year until he got hurt was Brees Hall. Brees Hall. And he was second round yeah. pick. You know, yeah. Nice. Two, yeah. Yeah. As good as B. John Robinson is, we're not in an era that takes running backs in the top ten. Yeah. Um, a quick run uh, of offensive linemen to wrap out the top 10. And then um, uh, number nine, Chicago Bears, Darnell Wright from Tennessee or uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia on CBS getting some protection from Justin Fields because God knows he needs it. They've gotten him a couple of weapons. DJ Moore with one of the steals of the offseason. It's a great matchup with him and Justin Fields. Give him somebody that can give him some time to get the ball to DJ Moore, and that team is going to be a lot better. And putting him with Claypool, that's that's big time. Yeah, Claypool still can show me some stuff, but he's yeah. definitely he's, worry he's about, got talent. I worry about his motor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Tenth uh, overall, the Eagles, according to Mel Kiper, is Peter Skronsky from Northwestern. Big, he could play tackle or guard, addressing some offensive line issues there. CBS has Bijan Robinson going tenth overall. There are some rumors around Derrick <laughs> Henry going to Philly. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe they go get a running back in B. John Robinson from hey, Texas. You're talking about f- switching fan bases here. Uh, A.J. Brown and, and uh, Derek Henry are both playing for the Eagles. And I reckon you can change. <laughs> nope. Nope. All good on that. All right. So um, uh, your original question was who 
who's lower than you think or who are you buying? Aaron, do you have a thought on that? Who would I buy? My sleeper? Yeah, like a sleeper, buy low candidate. You, you know, I honestly thought Jalen Carter because of with his like buy his dip, buy the dip with the legal, legal trouble with the legal issues. I think if he slips down, and then of course I think if his legal issues are resolved, I believe he could be a, a still a beast. He could be yeah. somebody's, you know, he's gym. no, yeah, he's no doubt a candidate at a one hundred and one. I should be getting him in that like eight nine pick because he falls a little bit. I mean that would be the steal of the draft. I do not disagree. Yeah. Uh, to me, I haven't. I'm not a big draft Nick. You know. Uh, I am an Ole Miss fan, and it's my biggest fault. Uh, I'm always, I'm always interested in seeing how players who uh, kind of like the Will Levis argument we had. Players who don't have huge college careers, but are enamored with body st- body style, you know, uh, combine freaks. Ole Miss has got one of those in the draft this year. And Jonathan Mingo, he was a number one receiver. Uh, Mel Kiper had him, I believe, forty seventh overall in his ranking of prospects. And I'm telling you, uh, it was probably scheme. It, I don't know if he dealt with some injuries as well. That's a little shocking to me. He's got the build. I mean, he's built like AJ Brown. I mean, mm-hmm. the dude is the dude is built like a number one receiver. He's got all the tools. So that's who I'm watching. I'm curious to see where he ends up because yeah. he's got the build. He, you know, it's you know in the Phil Longo days at Ole Miss, you know, when you had AJ DK, Demarcus Lodge and Dawson Knox on the same team, and you went six and six, and Dawson Knox never caught a touchdown. I yeah. could tell you, Dawson Knox is good. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Ole Miss had some pretty good teams, and he was on a ten-win team at Ole Miss, and it was just like they spread the ball around just a little too much for him to really show out. And so mm-hmm. maybe that's what it is. But I am watching uh, uh, Jonathan Mingo there. Yeah. I, you know, I mentioned Tyree Wilson earlier. I think another one to watch. I just love watching this dude work out and film this guy. I, I'm a I'm a trenches kind of guy. Is um, Paris Johnson from Ohio State? That tackle moves like a tight end. Is just mm-hmm. mean. And I would love for the Titans to take him at 11th. Definitely need some offensive line help. If he's there, that's a steal at 11. There's that video of him working out where he's just an absolute monster a dude that big should not move that well and then uh you know speaking of our homers when mississippi state does have a potential first round pick and a lot of guys are linking him to the pittsburgh steelers at 17 and that's emmanuel forbes sec all-time leader in pick sixes a guy as skinny as a rail he's like 160 pounds at 6'3 but he's just he's a playmaker he's just always at the right place at the right time great instincts you know, very translatable skills. And Mississippi State's had a few corners that are stepping up and playing a lot of ball. Martin Emerson is an every-game starter now for the Browns and an undersized guy as well. And so I watched the Steelers, her. The Steelers once upon a time drafted uh, – actually, they didn't draft uh, my favorite – one of my top five favorite almost players of all time, Mike Hilton, now with the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, the the nickelback who blitzes and he's about 5'8". You know, yeah. he never misses a tackle, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they also drafted the SEC leader in interceptions that year, Sinquez Golson. Right. Who um, I believe got his ball hawking uh, skills from playing outfield. 
because he was an incredible baseball player. Uh, yeah. And so, I think uh, Forbes Forbes fits that mold and will be a ball hawk in the NFL just like he was in college. Well, and I think, you know, going off, you know, Ole Miss and State, I think one of my sleepers is probably Carrington Valentine, Valentine a cornerback out of UK. Um, they they loved his measurables at the at the combine, you know, talking about his length and everything. But uh, talking about Jonathan Mingo real quick, I've seen two reports out of San Francisco that they he's visited out there and they absolutely love him. And I would I would love to have him put out there with uh, Debo and Ayuk. He's yeah. a guy because Debo and Ayuk are both like best when you give them the ball and give them some space. Yeah. Right. Mingo could be your downfield guy. Oh yeah. Or he's just a big guy. target too. He's a big guy that you can he's target. A get up, get high point of he can high point a football. You know, yep. you you the same kind of philosophy that had Ole Miss recruiting AJ Brown and DK Metcalf is the reason why they went after. Um, shoot, why did I just blame Jonathan Mingo? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same mm-hmm. build, same guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a physical guy who can go up and get the ball, stiff arm you, and pro- he's not going to break away speed, but if you can high point a football 40 yards down the field, it's, you know, almost as good. Yeah. You know, I think this year's draft, like so many times we have drafts that just go by the tape. It's just like pick one, pick two, pick three, just exactly how they play out. There's so many smoke screens and trades being talked about and rumors coming out. I think this year's draft might be interesting to watch, much like, as Drew mentioned earlier, we'll talk about this briefly before we wrap up. Going a little long tonight. That's all right. Got a lot to talk about. It was the Aaron Rodgers saga getting him to the Jets. You know, there was back on March the 15th, it's well over a month ago for those of you keeping up at home, that he said, I want to play for the New York Jets. And then they handpicked all of his receivers, all of his targets, which he said he didn't have any good receivers in Green Bay, yet all those receivers are now in New York. But anyway, and said, I want to play for the Jets. And then it took until today, until last night, the for, the, for it to happen, April 24th, Aaron Rodgers is finally a Jet. He followed in Brett's, Brett Favre's footsteps to the day, um, almost. I believe it was to the day that he signed with the New York Jets, following his predecessor out that way. The Jets' Super Bowl odds went from plus 400 to plus 140 just by signing Aaron Rodgers. Massive uptick. You know, yeah, I was gonna. I thought I was gonna shock the world and say that they should. They should be considered a favorite in the AFC. I'm sorry. Yeah, the AFC. Not the favorite, but a favorite. You know, up there with, you know, your typical Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo. Buffalo. You know, they're in a tar- They're they're gonna have to deal. They're gonna have to play Buffalo twice a year, which mm-hmm. is a problem. Miami twice Miami. a year, which is a problem. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you you're taking that. Jets team who had an incredible defense had Garrett Wilson who was incredible and then uh hopefully a healthy Brees Hall mm-hmm. and then the player that's forgotten about and I know I keep sounding like Homer but Elijah Moore was really good there as a rookie mm-hmm. he was and Zach Wilson refused to throw him the ball yeah yeah and so to the point to where he requested a trade and so that that's he's got weapons man 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 sorry, they went from plus 400 to win the division to plus 140. They're plus 700 to win the AFC. They're plus 1200 to win the Super Bowl. So they're still a little bit high, but I mean, that's a lot better than what they were 12 hours ago, 24 hours ago. So for a hundred dollars, I can take Aaron Rodgers to win the Super Bowl with a return of twelve hundred dollars. Right. I mean, I like those odds. I mean, it's not I bad. Know Aaron Rodgers hasn't exactly flourished in the playoffs lately, but, no, but he's still he's still Aaron Rodgers. There's gonna be some good weapons. That defense is also really good with Sauce Gardner, C.J. Mosley when he's healthy. That defense, uh, Quentin Williamson, it's good. Mm-hmm. Those dudes can if, play, man. If they bring back Quentin Williams. Did you see what he tweeted out today? Uh-uh. It, I was, heard fun. it was funny. So Of course, this is the same man who sneezed, blessed himself, and thanked himself on draft day. Yeah, I love Quentin Williams. So <laughs> Quentin Williams, uh, he is up for an extension. I'm trying to remember how to spell Quentin. Two N's. Q-U-I-N-N? Yeah. Yep. Or Q-U-I-N-E-N-N. Yeah, there, there it is. Q-U-I-N-N-E-N. So uh, there was a tweet that said Joe Douglas, which I'm assuming is the GM of the Mm -hmm. Jets, said the Jets are, quote, optimistic and hopeful on getting a deal done with Quentin Williams. And Quentin Williams quote tweeted it with himself sipping a cup of tea like Kermit. (laughs) (laughs) so for those of y'all who were are not watching the live stream uh, i just showed the tweet up to the camera here but it's quentin williams with holding a cup of tea and giving the side eye like oh you are really optimistic and hopeful because i don't feel it (laughs) yeah that makes one of us yeah um (laughs) but i think that 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 changed the landscape in the afc maybe you know again aaron Rodgers. of course it changed the landscape he you was know. not good last year. I think that he has a bounce back year. He he'll be a lot better. Got better weapons, but I mean, he just he was not good last year. And there's a lot that goes into that though. Uh, he can You remember what he came into this year? He wanted to get traded last year. He signed yeah. a one year deal with an exit, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, and so he was not invested. He he wanted to do his herbal mushroom tea. And get away and sit in his dark room. With the uh, mushrooms. And he was always frustrated, as he should have been. Sure. He never had any weapons. He's he won them one Super Bowl. And I mean he just and he uh got beaten another, I believe. And so mm-hmm. like he and he never they never drafted a quarterback I mean a receiver in what, the first two rounds in his yeah. whole tenure there? Yeah. Right. All while drafting a quarterback in the first round three years ago before he left. You know, they, they had awesome. Yeah. So of course he's unhappy. And he wasn't going he wasn't gonna break his neck for that team. He knew he was yeah. leaving. Yeah, you're probably right. He, but he is thirty eight years old. I mean, Father Tom is undefeated except for Tom Brady and LeBron James. Yeah. And Aaron <laughs> Ivy. Yeah. And Udonis <laughs> has him apparently because he's still playing yeah. basketball at forty. <laughs> Well, and um, if if you think about Aaron Rodgers, you know he won that Super Bowl. He had a top ten defense. Mm. The the Jets defense, yeah, the Jets defense has the potential to be there. And if they get there, and he has a bounce back year, I mean, watch out AFC. Yeah, 
Yeah. Just hope they don't play the Niners because the Niners are his kryptonite. So. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> 49ers are 4 and 0 in the playoffs against Aaron Rodgers. So Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, um, so you're well, probably mad he went to the AFC, right? Uh, you know, if you want to be honest, I was kind of mad he didn't come to San Francisco. Come home uh, to where, where he's from. Listen, do you know how many yards he could have picked up with Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, George Kittle? Well, he's I mean, at that point of his career, like Tom Brady, where he's looking for those dump offs and out routes and slants and that West no, Coast offense. I, I don't think that's what Aaron Rodgers is looking for. Hey, I think, I think he, he fit perfect. He's a slinger, man, and that's home. I mean, he was always I mean, the same argument that Tom Brady was made for Tom Brady when he might go to San Francisco, Northern right. California's home. Yeah, you know it. You know, but Aaron Aaron's been in that small market. He wanted that taste, that New York lifestyle. I I don't know if his girlfriend Blue of Earth is is more keen on New York or whatever, but you never know. Maybe a better mushroom supply up there. Y'all heard about his girlfriend? Her name's like Blue of Earth or something, and she's the one that turned him on to like all these mushrooms and all this herbal stuff. Like, well, I'm about if, to live stream me googling this person. <laughs> What'd you call her? Her name is Blue of Earth. That ain't her God-given name. I know there ain't no way that is not no. her Christian name. That's for sure. <laughs> well, oh, B L U. Yeah, even better. That's, yeah. Not, that's not a girlfriend, right? That's what they were. They were. They were something last year. Because she right, was so, going to turn on all that. Let me just, okay, this girl. He, he's dipping into like Paul Rudd and Wonderlust, you know. <laughs> so, be careful now on, on, on your searches over there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know how Google, when you Google somebody's name, it says people also ask. Uh, the second one on this list says, why is Blue of Earth stuck in Peru? <laughs> <laughs> From December 22, um Based on her elaborate Instagram stories and updates, Blue of Earth is currently trapped in Peru as their political situation has worsened. With their formal, former po- former president, Pedro Castillo, ousted, protests are breaking out across the country. As a result, the roads and airports are blocked. So in uh, December of 2022, she was stuck in Peru. I did not have talking about the, po- the political climate in Peru on my bingo card for tonight. <laughs> hey, well, nobody's going to win. It's like it. betting on Rusty's picks. Nobody's going to win. <laughs> well, guys, it's been fun. I want to wrap up with one last thing. Um, your Mississippi State Bulldogs are f- officially, what, three and one this year against the Ole Miss Rebels, won the Governor's Cup tonight, two to one, hoisted that cup tonight, won the series once again, dating back seven years in a row. We beat Ole Miss in baseball series. You know, Thanks for coming out. It's a good thing you won that game or you would not have won the series. Uh, you know what's funny is I knew it was on tonight. Uh, I stumbled across it on Twitter eating dinner tonight that we were down one to nothing in the top of the first. Never looked at it again. So you telling me that we lost was me finding out in real time. Yeah. Went up two to nothing, won two to one, won the Governor's Cup right where it belongs back in Starville along with that egg I'm Gold telling trip. you. You, you know it's a you know it's a poverty franchise if you're excited about winning a trophy over a team that is currently four and fourteen. This is what NBA. happens. Ole Miss fans will rationalize their season like, oh, it doesn't matter to us when we lose. But by gosh, if they'd won that Governor's Cup or if they'd won that series in Starville, if they'd won that Egg Bowl, it would be all we'd be hearing about. Much like the national championship from last year. Oh well, see it, that's it, the difference. 
is we won the national championship and you treat Ole Miss as if it was the national championship. Here we go. This is the ultimate Ole Miss rationalization. We're your I national mean, champions. I, I don't do lose. this. I do not. I genuinely do not do this to troll you. Mm, I'm sure. I no, it's, it's your. It's in your nature as an Ole Miss fan. <laughs> when you lose the game, it doesn't matter. But when you win, it's all that matters. Oh, I didn't say it doesn't matter, but uh, it sucks. But for you to say like, oh, we won the Governor's Cup, and I'm like, hey, listen, oh, we're four and fourteen. Like, we ain't much better. We're, we're, ta- we're it's low hanging fruit for us in Starville this year, man. We got we got we get uh, run ruled and swept and destroyed. You got to take wins when you can get them, man. Okay, I, that, hey, but a, hey, a hey, win's Drew, a win. I get it. But UK, UK swept Mississippi State this year in baseball. Absolutely, and then beat yeah. us by three touchdowns one day. Yeah. <laughs> If Ole Miss would have beaten State this weekend, I'd have been like, we won the series, and we suck. Easy to say, man. Easy to say. It's the truth. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. hate me if you want. (laughs) Aaron, buddy, thanks for being on tonight. Any last bit of wisdom about uh, Kentucky baseball, Will Levis, Kentucky basketball, no John Calipari. Putting together a class again yeah he is but what's he gonna do with it man i know there's some rumbles up there he's not you know you know the biggest thing about cal is you know he keeps bringing in top recruits you know you see guys hitting the portal now um i haven't been this excited about a team coming in in a long time because you know we talk about culture the the DJ Wagner's and Justin Edwards is coming in. They're they're they play with an edge, and uh, UK basketball has really lost that edge uh, over the years. And um, I think next year is going to turn around uh, in the basketball, uh, football. I think we're we're gonna we're gonna be pretty tough in the East, obviously. Right. Uh, we'll probably finish third. Um, I don't think third. you'll ever suck with um, Stoops. With Stoops, no, yeah. I agree. I don't, I, agree. I don't think Guys you'll ever compete on like a national, national level. Right. But, but that was I, a lot. That was a lottery I, hire for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there is an absolute quantitative value to not sucking. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is something for a for a program like Kentucky. And this is not a shot by any means. Right. They hang their head hat on basketball. Mm-hmm. Can. Calipari gets all the arrows if they're not good. Right. It is an easy job to stay at if you can yeah. be good. If you can be respectable. You Teams win seven, eight games a year, they'll build a statue outside of Kroger Field. I mean. Yeah. And and I hope that Kentucky football appreciates what they've got because it's what oh, State yeah. had with Mullen mm-hmm. and what State had with Croom, whereas you had the guy that could get you six to eight wins every year. Yeah. But until you start putting the expectation on that, you need to win 10 this year. You need to be fancy East this year. That's when you make a good thing. Uh, you try to get to uh, make a good thing. Be great. Yeah. You end right. up with something very, very bad. Yep. In a new right. coach, you know? Yeah. You take your eight win consistently, you get a nine win, you celebrate it, but the yeah. expectation is your your seven, eight wins, going to a mid level SEC bowl game, and Kentucky football fans, Aaron, I'm sure you can agree, will be yeah. very happy with that. Oh yeah. Get, Music City Bowl, Outback Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Get get me to basketball season. 
<laughs> hey, go to yeah, Outback Bowl. Give me a. Uh, they don't do blooming onions anymore. It's now yeah. the whatever the ReliQuest Bowl. But hey, listen, man, go get you some uh, some internet protection there. Oh yeah, and listen, fellas, when when once we move in a month, uh, football season comes around. I promise you, I, I'm gonna get you guys up there in UK for a tailgating. Um, you know, I've been to Ole Miss to the Grove. I actually was there when Bo Wallace beat uh, Alabama. And that was that was unbelievable to sit there with game day and all that. October um, the fourth, two thousand and fourteen. I was on a tour bus headed to Ocean Springs, Mississippi. I missed it. It's the biggest regret of my life. I, I was I had just moved down here August fourteenth of, of two thousand fourteen. And so so that was that was an awesome thing to get to go. You know, UK was the only SEC team, you know, field I've been to before. Ole Miss was awesome. And uh, Mississippi State, I went to Mississippi State when, uh, you know, we won we won there. And that was an awesome tailgating. But I'm going to tell you something. Lexington puts it down uh, on tailgating. And, you know, that was, when, that was when we were awful. And so now we're, we're respectable now. Yeah. And so I could only imagine what it is. We'll take this show on the road. We'll do a podcast from the tailgates. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, that'd be I, awesome. I, I would love it. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, if I could get Dick, you up to Rupp Arena. If I could get you up to Rep Arena, I promise you, it'd change your whole mindset about college basketball. It's it's unbelievable there. Oh, don't tell me about Rupp Arena until you sit in the pavilion and Ole Miss and watch, <laughs> and watch a four and ten team compete against <laughs> Kentucky. I did. I watched Isaiah Briscoe from Kentucky get a triple double. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, them. Brighter times are on the horizon for Ole Miss there basketball. You go. I've never oh, yeah. been able to say it before. So, right, hey, uh, we made it almost the whole podcast without me talking about Ole Miss and LSU this weekend. So let's just end it. Yeah, that sounds good. It was ugly, <laughs> ugly baseball. <laughs> Other than that, you know, had had a couple little little close games, but all in all, a sweep, still a sweep. Yep, that's it. And, and guys, I want to say thank you for letting me join this podcast. I absolutely love it. I love what you guys are doing. I love both of you guys, man, like brothers. And uh, I just want to say thank you again. Hopefully we uh, stay in touch when we get oh, yeah. we get moved. Oh, no doubt about that, my brother. So Listen, I appreciate man. you coming on. We love you too. Yeah. And we need to get together before you decide to head on up north. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We'll make it, we'll make that happen. And, and I, I'm going to get home later in the month and uh, towards the end of May. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely make that happen before you go. And listen, we'll need a field reporter in Lexington for Kentucky games. Uh, we'll get you back on for our SEC preview later this summer. Uh, this is, will not be your last time on the podcast, man. Great job. It was awesome having you on here. Uh, again, guys at home at two buck sports podcast or at two buck sports pod on Instagram, Twitter, two buck sports podcast on Facebook, like, share, comment, review, please, please, please help us get the word out through those. Uh, and as always, we'll see you right back here next week. Aaron, tell Nikki, Calvin, and Maverick, we all said hey. And uh, everybody, thanks for joining in with us. Check in, tell your wife, tell your mama, tell your daddy, tell your kids. Tune in, like, rate, subscribe. Give us uh, give us some questions. Anytime we get a question, we'll, we promise to answer it on the podcast next week. So, I enjoyed it, fellas. Rusty, thanks for hanging out with me, for uh, uh, working with me, uh, given our busy schedule. Grizz in seven. Grizz in seven. Like I've said the whole time, I haven't said anything other than Grizz in seven. (laughs) 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 So, have a good week, guys. See you guys.